0: Well, everybody needs a little chocolate before starting a boop boop. So, o Henry? Oh Henry. Oh Henry, ugh, oh. Caddyshack ruined that one for me. <laughs> what? <laughs> Caddyshack. Yeah, don't you remember that scene in Caddyshack where they open up an Oh Henry and let it float in the pool and everybody freaks out? <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, so it's time for a boop boop. Boop boop. Boop boop. Welcome to it. My name is T Bone. It is uh, a Thursday afternoon boop boop. The best kind. I'm joined by co-hosts up. Shala, Hi there. Stephen McGuire. Hello. And today, ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome Tala Tutusis. Woo! Thank you for being here. Uh, just in a little bit, I've talked to you. Brittany. I know that there's a whole lot about you that I don't know. You're an addictions counselor. You're also an artist. Can you give me like a, a brief glimpse into the different things that make up Tala Tutusis?
1: He wants Tala in a nutshell. okay. Uh, so, like, my English colonized name is Tala Tatousis. I come from Sturgeon Lake First Nation. Uh, my Cree name is Nehiao Nehiawesquayu. And my Mohawk name is Atehualinas. It comes from the bear clan of the Akwesasne Longhouse. And I owe a lot of my teachings and my amazing support from both those land places and bloodlines. A lot of my work, my life work, is based in finding a way to implement traditional medicines into the recovery process and a detoxification process from addictions, specifically crystal meth. Um, possibly with my master's thesis, if I go back in the next two years, I've just done a lot of groundwork and research and consultations in First Nations communities. A lot of it is because I myself am a recovering addict of crystal meth who use traditional medicines. No antibiotics, no antidepressants, no methadone, um, no other stimulants or substances whatsoever to help me recover detox and come off of the drug. just traditional medicines and ceremonies. and I recovered a lot faster, a lot oh. quicker and so much more stronger. As a motivational speaker and a poetry writer and an author to a book as well as a ribbon skirt workshop, um, organizer, uh, addictions consultant in many First Nations communities, I um, as well as teaching about boundaries and rape culture just in itself with youth. Holy, there's so much work. <laughs>
0: You're a busy girl. Tired just so realize it. all the things I do sometimes and I get stressed out.
1: It's better just take one at a time, Tala. Yeah. Uh, we do spoken word with our Tonight It's Poetry. Um, as well as our Indigenous Poet Society, we have a book called Blood Memory. We've published it. I myself have published pieces. Which is, is um, it no surprise that I am an Indian through McGraw Hill? Um, it's used for literature in high schools to teach about identity, as well as doing motivational speaking with poetry. And sometimes I just go to the communities and hang out and just share my story about how I recovered from drugs and alcohol.
0: So I mean, clearly. Traditional ways and teachings, and all of your research, has helped you uh, become strong in in yourself and in your
1: in your culture. What's it like to then go and help somebody else? I learned how to listen twice. I learned to listen to when someone like in the idea of recovery, we have these these um, ways of talking to protect ourselves from hearing the actual pain. And some of the easy ways are the fight, flight or freeze, um, the drama triangle of persecutor, uh, survivor, um, persecutor, victim and hero. So if somebody falls into that immediately, then I know they're not ready to talk. They're not ready to do that yet. They're not safe. So then you have to reach to a different level. What makes you feel safe? What makes you feel okay? And allowing that, whatever that may be. Whatever that is, and allowing it, because one of the biggest blockages for healing for everybody on every level of healing is we don't allow people to be where they're at. Where are you at right now? Are you in a gang? That's okay. That's okay. Are you on drugs today? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, How do you feel? I want to hurt everybody. I want to, I want to, I hate everybody. Okay. That's okay. Oh.
0: I want to switch gears a little bit to your art because you have taken your cultural teachings and your abilities, your natural artistic abilities to express yourself in so many different veins. The acting world, when I first met you, you were part of the Circle of Voices program. Um, your beading, your skirt making and, and your poetry. How did you find your art? How did you find that, that thing that fit, that allowed you to express yourself?
1: That's a hard subject to talk about, but I I'm willing to talk about it. Um, When I f- was in so- sobering, I went to ceremony, right? And then in the midst of going to powwows and going to ceremony, I had met someone, and he had multiple wives, and I was interested in this, like what the hell? I never heard about this, and I met him, and all his wives wore ribbon skirts, and they all quilled porcupine things, porcupine stuff. And they all beaded. They were the best beaters, the best quillers, the best sewers. Everybody knew that. And I was like, "I'm gonna be that? How do you be that?" And after I had met him, we had he became like a teacher. And then he started to come on to me, and then he would be a teacher. and it was really confusing, but I was being groomed. And I didn't understand what that was. And then a couple of years later, he assaulted me in front of sacred items in a teepee, just really close to a sweat lodge. In uh, South Dakota, and I didn't know how to feel because I know, like, you wouldn't have sex in a church. So Why would you have sex near a sweat lodge or in front of pipes? And it just broke me because that's what sobered me up. And it, I didn't want to do anything. And I was like, you know what? F this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk away from helping anybody or anything. This is something's wrong with this world because I thought every healer, every person who is a medicine person or a church person knows better that they would never touch you, that they would never hurt you or assault you because God anointed them with medicines, with powers or with gifts or something, right? And it was a really humbling lesson, but it was something that I needed to learn that I had like I had learned from that, because I thought I put them on pedestals all the time. And now I learned that everyone no one is immune to mistakes and to issues like that, to sexual issues like that. Because it was a sexual assault center here in Saskatoon where I went to. And we had all, there's five of us had charged him for rape. And there was women all over the states who charged him for rape. And we found out two of the girls who were with him were 15-year-olds who had been with him since they were 12. And um, polygamy is illegal here, so we got him kicked out of the powwow, the FSA and powwow here. And that's when I just went full on. Like, I'm going to start talking about rape culture. I'm going to bring back these ribbon skirts. I'm going to reclaim them, and I'm going to give them back to the women as a teaching about empowerment, about taking taking the skirt to knowing when you're respected in a ceremony, that same respect goes outside of the ceremony. You don't need to have a skirt on, but you need to have that mentality. And that's what I'm going to do with these skirts. And so I started quilling again and sewing and beading. And then just before my dad passed away last year, I had walked away from sewing and everything and quilling and beading and during the time that I had walked away from all the ceremonies, I had really gotten close to a lot of gangs and um, drug dealers and people from the streets because I didn't want to be a role model no more. I didn't want to be a helper anymore. I didn't want to be asked for anything. I didn't trust it. And I was ready to give up. Like, I was just like, I can't, I don't want to do this anymore. And I had made a statement on Facebook, like, I can't do this, What my dad is gone. And, and now what? What do I do? And they're the ones who came. And brought me cupcakes and pizza and roses. And and they came over and they were just like, you can't give up. Because you're the person who we go to. When we want to learn how to smudge. And we're not ready to quit this life right now. But just today, maybe we need to smudge. And we can come to you. And you're not going to judge us. And you're going to help us. Just for today, if we want to go around dance, we can come see you. And you'll take us. And you won't judge us and say, you have to be better first. You have to get out of the gang first. You have to sober up first. And I was just like, oh. That helps you and they're like, nobody's like that. Everybody expects you to be okay already or to be ready to give up everything, to sober up. But you're just like, oh, if you want to smudge today, come over, we'll smudge. Oh, I'm just beating. Do you want to learn how to make a ribbon skirt? I'm I'm just doing this. You want to look at it? And you just allow us to see inside the window of that life what it'd be like. And we know that it exists. And we know that someone can get sober and be kind and not look down on us. We know that that exists, and it was so powerful for me that I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do it again. And so I developed a ribbon skirt workshop, and I started speaking again. I started beading and sewing again. I started holding workshops on how to make ribbon skirts, and then when I'd make them, I'd talk about rape culture, and I would talk about autonomy of your own body. I would talk about how it's therapy to sew, to quill, to bead. How it closes your it shuts out the world and it helps you to calm yourself and to not think of every little thing that you need to worry about and how it keeps you peaceful and that if you can keep peaceful, you can stay sober. We don't talk enough about these things. And the thing about being a person who can say, I used to do math and now I have a bachelor's of in social work. Like I can say that and not be ashamed of saying I used to do math. Being able to do that gives me the ability to talk about the things we don't talk about to say, oh, that was awkward, hey? Do you feel awkward? That feels (laughs) awkward, you know? (laughs) With everything, with poetry, with teaching sewing, with counseling, with consultations, with working in First Nations communities, like even when I do motivational speaking in First Nations schools, and I've done it all over Canada, there's at least two or three disclosures each time of teenagers who'll come up or people who come up and just tell me their story. And sometimes that's as far as it'll go, and that's okay. Sometimes they'll go out and they'll keep doing drugs and they'll be in a gang still and maybe they'll kill themselves, you know, and they will that's what they've chosen. And for me, it's like taking away the idea that I have control or that I have power to change their life or to save them. The fact that I was there at that moment is what's important. And that's something that helps. It really helps people, people who are being helped and people who are helping, to know that we don't have the power to save people. We don't have the power to fix people. We have the power to help people feel here right now. Like when me and my children see homeless people, if we have food, we'll give them food. If we have money, we'll give them money. And then not teaching them not to be afraid. We had a barbecue, and this guy was coming up to us, and I was scared. It's like, oh, my God, this drunk guy's coming. Get the kids. And my grandpa looked at me, and he just looked down, and he pulled him aside, and he started speaking Cree to him. And I didn't know what they were saying. And he said, make him a burger. And I was like, okay. So I made him a burger, and I gave it to him. a could smell like Lysol. And I was just like, what's going on? And they were talking Cree, and he fed him. He was, get getting some chips and a pop. So I got him that. And then uh, after he was done eating, I didn't understand what was going on. And then he got up, and he walked away, and my grandpa pulled me aside. He said, why do you think I did that? And I was like, because he was hungry. And he was like, yeah. I said, did you give him money? He's like, yeah, I gave him a little money. I was like, what if you use it for alcohol? He's like, that's not your, it's not your responsibility. And I was like, oh. And he's like, he's just trying to feel here. And I was like, what? And he said, I know him. We were in residential school together. I got out. He didn't. He was a little boy. And somewhere along the lines, he couldn't hand handle it anymore. Just today, he wanted to eat. And just today, he wanted to be talked to in Cree. He might not ever sober up. But for this small little moment, God wanted me to share with him a little moment of humanity. You need to do that for people. That's not up to you to save people. It's just up to you to be human.
0: Wow. What a story. You've got an amazing family. Thank you so much for joining us. I feel like I've really learned a lot. You're <laughs> way too young to be this smart. You realize this, right? You're like a young Yoda. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Boop Boop. More information on our Facebook page. Just do a search for Boop Boop. Contact us via email, yxeboopboop at gmail.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and Google Play. Just search Boop Boop. Podcast produced at Sound Lounge by T-Bone. Website, thesoundlounge.ca.
1: When I sobered up, it was like, what does it feel like to be happy without substances, without help? Without coffee, without chocolate, or sex, or someone telling you you're amazing, you just listed off Stephen's like wish list.
0: <laughs> I speak for yourself, I, I
1: just, I just leave me out of this. I'm sit, sitting here minding my own business
0: with my lollipops.
1: What did you grow up with? What was the safest thing for you? Me, smoked hide.
0: For me, it's a progi. <laughs>
1: You know, you grew up in Yorkton, soul food. You need bologna (laughs) sandwich. (laughs) That was a hard turn. I'll agree with Brent on the bologna.